Well, again, good morning to everyone. Um, we are in the third week of this series that, as you can see, is called Habits. And the idea behind this series, the big idea, is kind of depicted in the video that you just saw as all these little dominoes kept falling and gaining momentum so as to then be able to eventually push over some really large dominoes. And that is this main idea in this series, that even small habits can make a big difference over time. And the reason why we're looking at this series right now and this idea of habit right now is that the beginning of a new year tends to be a time in American culture where we think about life and we think about the next year. We think about goals and we put together resolutions and we get fancy, nice, you know, vision boards and all that good kind of stuff. But what we acknowledged in week one of this series is that if you're anything like the majority of our culture and our country, is that so often resolutions tend to just be dreams that you wish would happen in your life, but very rarely do we actually do the work of having them become reality in our life. And so the idea behind this series is that instead of putting out all of these New Year's resolutions that might just only be dreams, what would happen if we made things simpler? What would happen if we were just diligent with putting together three specific habits, three small habits that we would do again and again and again? You know what would happen? If they were the right habits and with God's blessing and direction, they truly could make a big difference over time. And so last week, Pastor Matt gave us the first habit that uh, we're encouraging all of us to begin at the beginning of this brand new year. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to, to watch that message online. But as we get into the content for this second week, um, I have uh, something that I, I know about all of you. I know that there are certain behaviors in your life that are unhealthy and that you wish you could change. And the reason why I know that is not because as a pastor, I have a camera in each of your homes and I hear and see everything you do. The reason I know that is true is because it's true in my life and it's true in the lives of every single person that I know. That there are unhealthy behaviors in our lives that we would like to change. See, some of you drink too much. Some of you spend too much. Some of you here, you, you eat too much and you know it. Some of you are really, really short and honestly disrespectful to your parents a lot of times. Some of you are not very nice to your spouse. Um, some of you are so stressed that you have a hard time sleeping at night. Some of you are so anxious or, or worried that it's really hard to be happy in life. Some of you have a hard time being happy for other people when they experience success. And the list could go on and on, but 
We all have behaviors in our lives that we know are unhealthy, that we know are wrong, but we just have a very difficult time to change them. And, and I think I know why. Because all we see when it comes to those unhealthy behaviors is behavior modification. But the truth is that most of our behaviors on the outside are the result of something bigger going on on the inside. And so if we just affect or address the behavior, what's going to happen is it might get better for a time, but eventually it is probably going to come back. You know what it's like? It's like if you've ever had to deal with mold in a building, whether it be a school or a home or whatever. Let's say there was some mold on the wall of your basement, okay? And let's say you, like me, know that it shouldn't be there. And so your solution is to get a rag, or maybe if it's really sticky stuff, a scraper, and to, to wipe it off the wall. And after you've wiped it off the wall, you figure, my job is done here. Everything is fine. If you know anything about mold, you know not everything is fine because likely that which you see on the outside, the mold, mold is just a symptom of something like moisture, that's going on on the inside. Our first fill-in for today is this, that behaviors on the outside are driven by messages on the inside. Behaviors that we have on the outside, how do we react to things, the things that we do every day, so often, especially unhealthy behaviors, are driven by unhealthy messages and unhealthy thoughts that we have on the inside. And here's the thing. I didn't just come up with this this past week. I stole this from someone who wrote it 3,000 years ago. His name was Solomon, the Bible tells us he was one of the wisest men who ever lived. And he wrote this 3,000 years ago in Proverbs chapter 4. He wrote, Above all else, or the most important thing when it comes to how you live and how you act is this, that you need to guard your heart. You need to be aware of what's going on inside. You need to monitor your heart for everything. In the Hebrew, you know what this means? The Hebrew for everything is everything, like all things. All right, that's really deep this morning. For everything you do flows from your heart. Now, I want to just make sure that we truly understand what Solomon is saying here. So I'm going to define heart. Let's be clear. He's not referencing the organ in your chest that pumps blood all around your body. In the Bible, over and over again, the word heart, since it's kind of central to our physical being, is also referenced as kind of being the core of our spiritual being. Our heart is understood in that conversation that you have with yourself when something happens in your life and you're trying to process it. Our heart is part of our spiritual being. It's at the core of who we are. And it's kind of this, this processing center by which we react and maybe even respond 
to things that happen in our lives. Maybe a better way to understand what I'm talking about is to kind of do a, a little bit of a diagram about how things tend to happen in our lives and how behaviors come about. Um, so in life, events happen. <laughs> Would you agree with me? Yeah, okay. It's pretty easy. Events happen every single day. Some of them are good. Like, I, I hope you're feeling like this is good, right? And Every single day, some days more than others, but bad events happen as well. And whenever an event happens, whether good or bad, God created us that we feel something. We feel something about that event. Those are our emotions. Now, there's a whole bunch of emotions that we have, right? We have fear, we have anger, we have worry, um, we have frustration. The list could go on. But the way we process those emotions is in the heart. That's what Solomon is saying. And as we process them in our hearts, those emotions, what results then are behaviors that you see on the outside. Events happen which produce emotions. Emotions inside of us need to be processed all of them are. What do we think about those emotions? They're processed, God says, in our hearts. And out of our hearts, then, the way we process them come behaviors. Now, let me tell you some other things about this heart that we have, this central processing center. Um, if left up to ourselves, there is nothing good in our hearts if left up to ourselves. The default mode of our hearts is away from God and away from his truth. Um, in fact, uh, Jesus spoke about this a number of times during his ministry here on earth. Uh, I picked one section recorded by Mark uh, where Jesus was speaking to a crowd and he said, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. On our own, we don't process life events very well on our own. And so out of the heart naturally come things like bad behaviors, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Above all else, the default mode of our hearts is not to worship God, but to worship ourselves. If left up to its own thinking, when events happen in life, we would process them through a very narrow grid of what feels good in the moment, what's going to produce the best earthly result for me in the future, and on and on and on. By nature, we worship self, and that by nature is how our hearts process things. Maybe the best way to think about how we are by nature is to think back to the movie Finding Nemo and all the seagulls, right? What, what, would, what did they say? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Carissa. That was really good. Oh, is that oh, back there for, okay. It wasn't Carissa. Carissa did not act like a seagull right now, just so everyone knows. But no, mine, 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 mine. That's what the seagulls said, right? 
And that's how we are by nature. We're self-centered, self-pleasing people, okay? But I've got some good news for you. God didn't leave it that way. He saw our tendency to worship self. And he saw where that would lead us to, not just with these bad behaviors in life, but in a place much worse, would eventually lead us to hell. And so he decided to do something about it. And God in love sent his son Jesus, the only one who ever lived who processed all the events he went through absolutely perfectly, okay? And after having lived the absolute perfect life, he chose the cross. And he died so that we don't need to die eternally. And out of that death and out of that resurrection, God has given us the potential by faith for everything to be new. A new purpose, a new view, a new strength, a new life. Guess what? A new heart. Uh, here's how Pastor Paul write, wrote about it in the first century. He wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone has faith in Jesus, he is new. He's a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. Well, that's good news. We got a new heart. So, I guess that means that we also have the ability to process everything perfectly all the time. We're brand new. <laughs> Unfortunately, that perfection doesn't come till heaven. But until that time, every single day, there's a war that goes on right in here, in our hearts. There's a battle that we face every single day right inside of us. Paul did a masterful job of describing it much better than I could in that section where he wrote about the things I want to do are not the things that I do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I keep on doing. It's like this battle that we face every single day. And so that's why Solomon wrote, we need to watch out for our hearts. We need to guard our hearts. Our second fill-in for today is this. When we don't guard our hearts, sin, and maybe I could have said will, but sin can direct our hearts. Sin will direct our hearts. The default mode of our life, if we do not keep guard, is not to follow God. By nature, we tend to follow the ways of the world instead. Now, here's the absolute cool thing. There is so much wisdom and direction in the words of God that he's given to us in the Bible. And there is some great tools in there to help direct us to what to do when events happen that lead to emotions and how do we process those emotions so they lead to healthy behavior. And that's what we want to talk about today in this third week of Habits. So there was a, a king in the Old Testament, actually the father of Solomon. His name was David. And the cool thing about David's life is that the events of his life were recorded in books like First and Second Samuel. But then in the Psalms, we have 
preserved for us kind of like his commentary of how he was thinking and what he was feeling as he went through the events that happened in First and Second Samuel and other books. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at one of the Psalms, Psalm 55, where David wrote some poetic words about how he felt and how he was processing things when he faced a really difficult life event. Here's the background to what was happening. About 30 years into David's uh, rule as king of Israel, um, his third son named Absalom and his most trusted advisor, I would call him his best friend, Ahithophel. And I, I practiced that like four or five times. It's a little tricky. Ahithophel. I'm going to say it again. Ahithophel. Ahithophel joined Absalom in trying to depose David as the king. They betrayed Absalom's father and Ahithophel's best friend. And you can just imagine with such trusted, close friends and a son, how difficult this was for David. So in Psalm 55, he writes about the emotions that he went through and what he did with those, okay? So let's read Psalm 55. Begins this way. David writes, Listen to my prayer, O God, and do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. It's good so far, huh? Those times where you just feel crushed by the burdens of life events, the best thing you can do is to take them to God. He continues, My thoughts trouble me, and I'm distraught. Because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked, for they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. Verse 4. My heart, that processing center, my heart is in anguish within me. In fact, the terror of death has fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. David doesn't sound like he's processing too well, does he? He talks about feeling horror, being overwhelmed, being distraught. What does David need? Does he need a Christian to come up to him and say, hey, sheesh, David, quit being such a baby. God's with you. Buck up. Have you ever gotten that advice from a mom or from another Christian? Like, what are you crying about? God is with you, and you know God is with you, but it hurts. You just—tell me that later. Just, I just need you to sit and listen to me for a moment, right? The truth of the matter is, guys, that we experience a whole host of emotions in life. And God created you that way. (laughs) Not every anger emotion is sin. You know why I know that? Because Jesus got angry. Remember when he went into God's house and people were cheating people and making it into a market? He got angry. Jesus got overwhelmed with sadness more than once. 
His friend Lazarus died was one of them that we remember Jesus started crying. Um, trying to put my finger on it, but remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he was going to die and it says that his sweat was like drops of blood? The next day, he knew he'd be crucified and experience hell, literally. What emotion was he going through there? Was it a righteous fear? Or maybe a righteous, almost stress or anxiety that he processed perfectly because he's the perfect son of God, but yet emotions, even for the perfect son of God, still, still happened. So often it's not the emotion that's the problem. It's what we do with it, right? What did David do with this one? Well, our next verse tells us. He said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove and I'd fly away and be at rest. What David wanted to do in that moment, I'll say it this way, He wanted to escape his circumstances. He wanted to change the circumstances. He wanted to get away from it because it hurt so bad. This can be a very unhealthy way to process emotions that I see over time and time and time again. Trying to escape or to numb the feelings that we're experiencing. Um, Sometimes people do it with alcohol. And that lasts just as long as the buzz lasts. Sometimes people do it with buying themselves a new car. And there's this temporary superficial joy that you have until that wears off. Sometimes people think they need a new relationship because, you know, a new wife or a new husband, it's their fault. It's their problem. That's going to be the solution. That's going to be the ticket. Or maybe if I just get away from here for a while and go on vacation. Problem is, you come back from vacation, and here's the bigger problem. Everywhere you go, you are. That's profound, isn't it? <laughs> so unless you can escape from yourself, this isn't going to work. And while we're on the topic, I think there's two other unhealthy things that we often do with emotions. When we're feeling anger or feeling fear or feeling sadness. Um, Another thing that's unhealthy that we often do is we tend to project it on others in an unhealthy way. So we're feeling mad, and so everyone's got to feel the wrath of it, right? Um, right now, I think in schools and maybe in the workplace too, there tends to be a lot of snot going around, don't you, wouldn't you say? <laughs> People blowing their nose all over the place, right? And it's really gross, I'll tell you. Now, last night, um, as I was driving with my uh, second oldest son, um, I was in the car driving, my hand was on the shifter, and he's been dealing with some of the the snot stuff going on. And he sneezed and projected snot all over my hand that was on the shifter. And the first reaction is, 
that is gross. My second thought was, that's going to be a great sermon illustration tomorrow. Thank you, Elias. But how many of you love being sneezed on with someone who's got, you know, snot stuff going on? Or sneezed on with, by any, you don't like, you don't like to be projected on, right? And how many times we tend to do that with our emotions. And we deal with anger by yelling at everyone in the house. Or we deal with feeling inadequate by making sure that everyone else feels bad too. And the only thing that happens when we project in an unhealthy way the emotions that we're feeling inside, the only thing that happens is that there is a wedge and a gap that grows between you and those people. So often, it's family. It's not good to project. The third one I wanted to touch on quick was, you know, to we sometimes bury it. Maybe another way to say that is um, we stuff our emotions. I know we have some stuffers here. I, I tend to be a stuff it kind of guy probably a little bit. The problem with that, when you stuff things, they don't stay buried forever. And when they rise from the dead, so to speak, they're way more powerful and way more destructive than if you just worked through it before you buried it. So we don't want to escape. We don't want to project. We don't want to bury. The interesting thing is when it comes to, to David is this was a guy who faced some really difficult things at other times in his life. And he seemed to have such a great trust, huh? Like 16-year-old boy with some stones and a sling, 10-foot Goliath, and no soldier in all of Israel wants to face Goliath because they're fearful. And David says, sign me up. I'm going to go. I'll do it. Or he's on the run from Saul for all those years. And in response to that one, he pens this poetry from Psalm 23. We looked at it about a month ago. Even though I walk through the darkest valley because Saul is trying to kill me, I will not fear. I will fear no evil for you are with me. It doesn't even sound like the same guy, does it? Overwhelmed the horror of things. He writes in Psalm 55, I fear no evil for you are with me in Psalm 23. You, you know why the difference? Because his son Solomon wrote, above all else, guard your heart. There's a battle going on every single day. And everything you do flows from your heart. You see, the battle for heaven is over. There isn't a single thing you can do to help God give you heaven. Jesus did it all, and that's the greatest news I could ever share with you. But the devil would love nothing more than to rip us away from that family that we talked about at the beginning of the service. And so our sinful nature continues to work hard against the new heart that God gave to us through Christ. 
Now, David went on and on in Psalm 55 um, for a while on all the, the difficult things he was feeling and, and how he was processing it in such, I would say, maybe not the healthiest of ways. But then at the very end, he changes his tune. It's probably writing about how he had to go through this process and, and then came to a totally different change of mind. And, and at the very end, he gives us this encouragement and, um, where he writes in Psalm 55, verse 22, he writes, Cast your cares on the Lord. This is different than projecting on other people in an unhealthy way. The people in our lives, they want to listen. They should not, in an unhealthy way, be projected on. God is always there to listen and says, I'm big enough for all that you're feeling and all your cares. Cast them on me and he will sustain you. God will never let the righteous be shaken. And, and here we see David begin to refocus his heart. And our third fill-in for today, align it. That's what the right way to handle the emotions we're feeling is in our hearts to process it by aligning it with God's truth. You know, this is very much like when you get a car in alignment. When a car's aligned, you could in theory take your hands off the steering wheel, but I'm not encouraging that, and it should continue to go straight. When it's out of alignment, it goes off in the ditch and you get hurt. When our hearts are out of alignment from God's truth, we're going to go off into a ditch, and we're going to hurt ourselves and the people around us. We're encouraged to align our hearts. Verse 23, you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of day. Earlier, he, he was talking about how he was afraid of the wicked. Remember that? The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half of their days. So when David was going through this Absalom thing, he did not know how it would end. Uh, it did end with both Absalom and Ahithophel. said it for the fourth time. Well, um, with both of them, dying and not being able to overthrow David. But when he was going through this, he didn't know that that would happen. And so what I see in these verses is, is a David who's in the midst of not knowing what the future holds, but he is not going to be fearful because he knows something. He knows that God has a plan. He knows that God, we'll say it this way, God is sovereign. He is a supreme power and nothing is outside of his grasp or his direction. And whatever we're experiencing right now may not have been caused by him, but he is going to get you through it, and he has a plan for you. That's what David is verbalizing here. And so he ends it this way. So, as for me, I'm not going to project. I'm not going to escape anymore. I'm not going to bury it. Instead, I'm going to trust I'm going to trust in your promises. I know this event happened, and it's not good. And I'm feeling a certain way. But I'm going to align my heart 
with the truth that you are with me or that you can sustain me. And all of this leads to the habit that I want to share with you that is probably one of the most powerful things that Carrie and I started doing about five years ago um, in our lives. Um, So when you're feeling an emotion that you know is not healthy, Sometimes you can just kind of spin in that emotion, especially if it's worry or anxiety over and over. Sometimes if it's anger, any of the emotions, you can just sit in that emotion. Here's the habit. When you're feeling that coming on, the first thing I want you to do is to press pause. Don't project. Don't bury. Just pause and do nothing. Walk around the house. (laughs) Drive around the block. Go to your room for a little while. Sometimes that's the best marital advice ever. Just go to your room and pause, okay? And then three things. Identify what you're feeling. Is it fear that I'm feeling? Or is there an underlying insecurity that I have? I think that's what David was feeling, huh? Two of the most important men in his life, his son and his best friend, both betrayed him. Who can he trust if he can't trust those two guys? And sometimes to get to really what you're feeling, there's layers there. I would have you ask a trusted friend to help you navigate it maybe, or a husband or a wife. But identify the emotion, number two, after you press pause, is to to validate that emotion. And all that's saying is, you're not being ridiculous for feeling the way you're feeling. Because again, sometimes I think we can undermine feelings by saying, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. God made us with emotions. And to just, whether it's for yourself or for your spouse, to just validate that emotion as being an understandable emotion to have in this moment. But number three is the key. But then take a moment to align that emotion. Not with what the world says, not with mine, 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 what your natural heart wants to do, but instead align it with the truth of God. This is a really powerful thing. So many of you have challenges with emotions and you do not know what to do with it. And so what happens is, like I said before, you do nothing with it. And we just give ourselves labels. I'm just a worrier. I'm just an angry guy. I don't, I've never heard anyone say that, but like some of you know you are, right? You know, whatever. And we just use them as labels. But what God, that's not your label. You are a child of God. We just need to align those emotions with the truth of God's word so that we're able to have behaviors that are aligned with trust just like David came to. On the mirror in our bathroom right now are a whole bunch of verses and truths from God's word that my wife Carrie wrote all over the mirror. Just enough room that I can 
as Matt would say, can do my hair. He likes to talk about my anyway. Um, but the reason is, is that we need the truth of God's word to help align our emotions when they're getting out of control. We need daily continual reminders. You need a life passage. On that purple sheet that you'll find um, in your service handout, these are some of the verses that have been important to me and situations where they might be of help to you. There's only like 10 of them on there. There's so many more. But to get you thinking, to get you started, what's the verse that you need every day that'll help align the emotions that you feel because events are going to happen. In closing, so often we think of bad events in our lives as being just horrible and we'd never choose them, I know. But when we handle them in a healthy way, bad events can be some of the most powerful things in our lives because they remind us of how weak we are on our own and how strong God is above us and in us and behind us and for us. Bad events point us to Jesus and the love that he has for us in good times and in bad and the forgiveness that he gives us every single day. But we need to guard our hearts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for your truth that guides and directs us in all seasons and all situations. Lord, you've created us with emotions, but we confess that sometimes we don't react to our emotions in a healthy, God-pleasing way. We'd ask for your forgiveness for that today and in the future, because we are not perfect and it'll happen again. But Lord, based on your truth, I pray that for every single in this room, single person in this room, that we learn to, in those moments, worry less and align our hearts more. We pray all this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.